My name is Wamish Hamilton, and this is Tobacco Nation. Tobacco Nation is a four-part documentary radio series brought to you by the First Nations Health Authority. In each episode, we'll feature stories about tobacco told by First Nations people living in B.C. First Nations peoples in B.C. are about twice as likely to smoke as the general population. And when you ask them about smoking, you'll hear stories about colonialism, stories about family, and stories about triumphing over adversity. And these are the stories you're going to hear on this show. This is the third episode in the series, Tradition. Have you ever seen one of those things they call cigar store Indians? Those big wooden sculptures of indigenous men? They're outlandish characters, completely ridiculous portrayals. But at one point, they were in every cigar store, and there's still a few in Vancouver shops. Tobacco companies have used First Nations symbols to sell commercial tobacco since, well, since commercial tobacco has been around. For example, this advertisement for Prince Albert tobacco from 1914 reads, Here's a tobacco that's got red-blooded man punch. How about some totem tobacco? Or a big feather cigar? Maybe some red man chew? A native spirit cigarette, perhaps? This is all pretty insulting. Not just because these are stereotypes, but because traditional tobacco, that's actually a sacred thing. So today, we have the story of Paula Potter. She's a traditional pipe carrier. She says that tobacco saved her life. Just a note here. This story is quite heavy. There is talk of sexual abuse and trauma. It could be triggering. Just a warning. Um, first of all, hi, hi, Nanaskamun. I want to thank the Musqueam, the Bard, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Coast Salish people for allowing me to talk about my culture on their territory. My name is Paula Potter. My Cree given name is Horsewoman Mr. Timsku. My Lakota name is Kaluta, which means Red Heart. So I put them together and put Red Heart Horsewoman. And I'm from the Cree, Scottish, and Lakota Nation. And I come from Edmonton. Um, I grew up in the summertime up in northern Alberta in Foss, Lesser Slave Lake. When Paula was growing up, she'd spent her summers in northern Alberta, at Slave Lake. She went there to see her grandmother. Her grandmother was raised in the bush. She was hiding from the residential school agent. And in the bush, she learned some skills, skinning animals, building smokehouses, and she eventually taught them to Paula. You know, when I was going there when I was seven and eight, my grandmother always showed us about the traditional way of life, like the different herbs we could use. And that was like every summer. And then she would take us across the lake to pick berries and show us how to talk to animals. And Paula's grandmother woke every day at 4 a.m. and sang till the sun rose. She was a very spiritual and traditional woman. She knew a lot about traditional medicines. In her culture, women carry the medicine. She calls this the grandmother clan. And her grandmother passed these skills on to Paula. And I, we were really young. I think we were like six years old, pulling up the roots. And then 
Uh, we also had to go into swampy waters and had leeches on us <laughs> to get this rat root. But still, Paula did not feel like she fit in. Because Paula is half white, her dad is Scottish. Let's see, uh, being a, um, a child who had to grow up with loss of culture, loss of identity, I never fit in with the white kids. I never fit in with the native kids. And so I was always trying to fit in. And so I, I seen kids smoking, and I, I, I guess I started smoking just to fit in. But of course, her mom found out. <laughs> the first time that I ever knew about tobacco, she made me smoke a cigar, and I was like eight years old. Because <laughs> she caught me with a pack of smokes. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. <laughs> and it was a great big fat uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind. <laughs> Paula says her grandmother probably had post-traumatic stress disorder. She had avoided residential school by hiding in the bush. But the rest of her siblings did go. There was mental illness and addiction in the family. When Paula was still young, her uncle sexually abused her. She spiraled from this. She started to use drugs. She ended up on the streets as a teenager first in Alberta, then here in BC. I moved to Vancouver when it was 1996, and Robert Picton was uh, thriving downtown, and there was another guy who was alcoholic poisoning women, and there was a lot of brutality going on, and it was a very scary time. Paula became a sex worker. She was raped, and she was beaten. She overdosed on crack cocaine. You're very angry. You look for someone to blame. Um, and I was in a state of blaming my mom, blaming blaming society, blaming everybody that drives by in a car, um, blaming uh, colonialism itself. When I was out on the streets in the dark path, I just asked the Creator to watch over me so that I wouldn't get murdered. So I put tobacco down every time I walked in, in darkness. Every morning in the downtown east side, Paula would give offerings of tobacco. She would break a cigarette in half and say a prayer. And then uh, they were horrible smokes, but I would break them open and I would offer that tobacco. It was what I had. so. Um, and it was what I was smoking, because I was homeless at the time. In spite of all the abuse and addiction, she didn't forget what her grandmother taught her. She refused to let the traditions die. Paula did this every morning. And then I would hold this tobacco and just talk to my grandmother and tell her, you know, help me, because I don't know where I am, and I'm very lost, and I just need you to help me to make it through this day and make it through this, uh, you know, so I could have some food today. And and so for me, I believe that tobacco is what kept me alive. Paula was able to keep her cultural practice separate from the chaos in the rest of her life. It gave her the strength to go on. But at some point, addiction got in the way. Um, I never prayed for drugs or, uh, well, actually, the 
I did. In the, in the end, before I hit rock bottom, I, w- I was starting to pray for drugs, and 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 that's when I knew I had to quit. <laughs> so. Paula's grandmother struggled with addiction. Then she beat it. Paula's mother also struggled with addiction. Then she beat it. Paula decided she was going to beat it too. Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did the AA twelve steps. <laughs> And I, um, when I looked at my fear, what was actually my pattern of using, when I, when I did that and I had been carrying around 2,000 resentments, and when I let them down, I finally found pure joy. And, yeah. I was in the woman's bathroom, and I, would, and I couldn't stop laughing. And I laughed, and I, I was, like, elated for three weeks. I couldn't stop. The pure joy that I had felt was the biggest high that I had ever felt in my life. And it was all being sober. And that was, um, it was in February of 2011. And I've been sober since. Paula is in what she calls the Culture Saves Lives movement. She sun dances. She leads sweats. She is a traditional pipe carrier. This is all to get Indigenous people to reconnect with their culture. And she does this in the downtown east side, the very same streets that almost claimed her. The reason why I feel like it's important for me to talk about these things is, is so that people understand the struggles of of the ones that are downtown. Like every woman and man is a sacred pipe. Uh, Some of your most spiritually connected people are downtown. Um, Some of the most gifted artists are selling their art for like 20 bucks on the corner to get something to eat. Because of colonialism, there is a lot of pain down there. There's a lot of gifted First Nation people. And because of all the trauma that we've endured with loss of a culture and loss of identity, a loss of land, loss of our regalia, loss of our connected to our our community, we don't all grow up together anymore. We don't all look after each other. All of our animals were slaughtered, the buffalo. So there's a lot of trauma done to the whole way of life for First Nations, and now we have to make money to fit in this way of life. You are listening to Tobacco Nation. I'm Wami Shamilton. Back in a minute.
Welcome back to Tobacco Nation. I'm Wamish Hamilton. What is traditional tobacco anyway? Where does it grow? What does it look like? We sent our producer, Gordon Caddick, to the UBC farm to meet with Dr. Lee Brown. And before he even got to Lee, he ran into some students who were working with tobacco plants. Everything I've learned about tobacco comes from you, Lee. Um, my role has been in the past to introduce children to this land and that is a really accessible way for them to learn about tobacco as being a leader in the medicine world. So um, with that in mind, I guess we'll get started with our tasks today. Um, we're going to be doing three different activities. We usually do weeding, so for those of you who'd like to weed, that's an option today and the whole garden is available to you. We have some transplanting and some planting of different seeds and seedlings. And then we're going to be doing some medicine harvest. Um, in the past we've been harvesting some rose petals and chamomile um, and the lavender is starting to bloom now too. And um, I'll go and get the gloves and tools that folks might need. Um, and if there's any hand tools that you might want for um, weeding, then come and find me and I'll show you where those are too. We're here at the center of the First Nations Experimental Garden here at UBC Farm. This is Dr. Lee Brown. I want to acknowledge Eduardo Hovell, who actually started the garden many years ago. He's the director of the UBC Institute of Aboriginal Health, and he's also a member of the Cherokee Nation. And this garden here at the UBC Farm, Lee uses it to teach kids about traditional tobacco and traditional medicine. He gave me a tour of the garden, it's got this really interesting design. It looks like kind of a wheel with um, yeah. this big rock in the middle. It's really interesting the way things are laid out. It's not in rows. What's the kind of logic of? Uh, it's actually a, a musqueam weaving pattern. Hmm. So we went from rows to beds to make a design of a musqueam pattern. Hmm. And we actually increased our planting space, I think, by 80 cubic feet hmm. by going to beds and from, from rows. And so it's just something to connect with the territory and, you know, it's something that the students wanted to do. They wanted to have a, a less colonial looking garden, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's what they told me. And so we, we consulted with Musqueam elders and, and uh, the suggestion was made and we decided to go with it, you know, because one of the really wonderful things the Musqueam Nation has done in the past uh, 10, 20 years or maybe longer uh, is brought back their weaving. You know, the weaving patterns that they have, and that, that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful art and skill. And at the center of the garden? We have tobacco plants. You mean those little... Uh, These little plants are tobacco. These little and tiny uh, green yeah. things sprouting yeah. out? Yeah. How high will they get? They will get about three feet high because this is the original tobacco from Six Nations. Hey, don't step on the tobacco plants. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Thank you. Several people have stepped in this. <laughs> Area. That one there looks like it's, it's taking some damage. What, what does that mean if people step on it? Does it, does it still grow? Or? You know, everything wants to live, and it's people, plants are amazing in their power to <laughs> keep on going. Uh, you know, the primary teaching that we have with regard to tobacco is that tobacco is the chief medicine. The reason it's the chief healer is because it is a plant that we access the other medicines with. It's a plant that the Creator gave us to communicate with, to communicate with both the Creator and with creation. It's not smoked in an everyday basis. It's only used as a smoke or an offering in ceremony. So it's it's used in the pipe ceremonies as a as a source of smoking tobacco. It's uh, used for 
people to make their personal prayers in the morning as personal offerings. It's used uh, when two people want to communicate with one another, a tobacco offering is made. And that tobacco, you know, when you offer a person some tobacco, it means that you want to communicate, that you may be asking them for something among human beings and other aspects of creation. There's over 60 plants here in Lee's garden, and a lot of them are used as medicine. Also growing in the garden, some of the plants that people sometimes mix with the tobacco, like uh, uh, coat's foot, which is healing to the lungs, mullen, which is healing to the lungs. We mix sage into tobacco as well. We also sometimes acquire uh, the inner bark of a red willow, sometimes bear root and other plants, and sometimes people bring their own and they make their own mixtures with the original traditional tobacco that grows here in the farm. Could you show me some of the things that you put in your tobacco mixture? Sometimes I put a little bit of yarrow in. Mm -hmm. This is yarrow here, and this is a very powerful antibiotic. It's more powerful than some of the antibiotics you get in a drugstore. This is Colt's foot. It really spreads rapidly. And see, it's shaped like a lung, and it's healing to the lung. Mm. This is uh, this is a pipe mixture, but this is an organ grape there. There's yeah. a lot of different things in here. Oh, yeah. Organ grape. Dandelions, which are considered weeds, but they're also a very healing medicine. The roots can be used to make a coffee-like drink, which is healthy for the liver and kidneys, especially liver. This is um, comfrey. Hmm. A lot of indigenous people use it because it's been found to be so effective in, uh, as a medicine that's good for the bones. That's mint. We use mint in the tobacco mixture sometimes. So we have both mint and lemon balm here. I think the lemon balm is over here. And that's mint. It's, if you want a menthol kind of <laughs> pipe ceremony, you could use mint. I know a lot of people have lost faith in these kinds of medicines. They'd rather go to a drugstore and get a pill, which is which is these medicines that have been synthesized, you know. And the pills have side effects, but people believe these days in the pills. They don't believe as much in our original medicines, and that's a sad thing. What would you say to people, I think, that might hear this and go, what do you mean tobacco is... Uh, sacred, or what do you mean tobacco is a medicine, it gives people lung cancer, it's dangerous? Tobacco doesn't give people lung cancer, the misuse of tobacco gives people lung cancer. The misuse of tobacco gives people lung cancer because tobacco is a sacred thing they shouldn't be misusing. The misuse of any sacred thing brings illness. Water is a sacred thing, but you can change it into alcohol, which is really rotten water. And, and that water will bring sickness, disease, sclerosis, other things, alcoholism. Almost all the drugs that are on the street were medicines at one time. We've been conned into using our medicines against ourselves and using the healing power of water against ourselves as alcohol, using the sacredness of tobacco against ourselves as cigarettes and smoking. These are all sacred medicines and it's not, it's not tobacco that causes cancer, it's the misuse of tobacco that causes it. And that does it for our program today. If you want to learn more about traditional tobacco and traditional healing, consult an elder or a traditional healer. And check out our resources on the First Nations Health Authority website. Just search for traditional healing and FNHA. If you're ready to quit commercial tobacco, but don't know where to start, check out the First Nations Health Authority's Tobacco Timeout Challenge. It's a 24-hour quit challenge taking place on the first Tuesday of every month. Sign up at tobaccotimeo.ca, quit for 24 hours, 
and be entered for the chance to win a $250 cash prize. You can also call the Quit Now helpline for free 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The number is 1-877-455-2233. That number again, 1-877-455-2233. You can also reach them online at quitnow.ca. They're even on Facebook. If you like today's show, there are several other episodes about smoking. You can listen to all of them for free right now at www.fnha.ca. On the next episode, we look at stories of cancer and survival. My name is Wamish Hamilton. Thanks for listening.